And now, Lord, we've come to the place in this service where we open your word and we read its pages and we glean from its sentences things that you would have us to know about you and the kingdom of God. We humble ourselves in your presence. Our mind is ready. Our spirit is prepared. And God, we ask you to speak to us this morning. Give us the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You said you would bring all things to our remembrance. We pray that you would help us to remember this morning the things that you have spoken to us in the prayer closet. Touch us now as we explore the riches of your word in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Thank you. (laughs) Now you're wondering what that's doing out here. I'm battling a kidney stone. Uh, And they say it's better if I sit for a little bit, but uh, we'll see how that works. Uh, Y'all have seen me (laughs) after open heart surgery. One, I think in two Sundays I was back preaching and uh, Doc told me, said, you hadn't, you've lost your mind. And I said, well, I'm just going to be where I'm supposed to be and do what I'm supposed to do. Amen. But if I run out of here right quick, you'll know I had an emergency. And Don will do something. I don't know what he'll do. But as long as I can, I'm going to carry the cross. Mark 16, if you have your Bibles, verse 9 through 15. There's an old song that says, I care not today what tomorrow may bring, if shadow or sunshine or rain. You know this song, don't you, Steve? The Lord I know ruleth for everything, and all of my worry is vain. I'm living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in His great love. From all harm safe in His sheltering arm, I'm living by faith, and I feel no alarm. That's the way Christians ought to live, isn't it? Live by faith, not by sight, but live by faith, walk by faith, energy of the Spirit. Mark 16, verse 9 says, Now when Jesus was risen, early the first day of the week, He appeared first, to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him, and they mourned and they wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest of the apostles and disciples, but neither believed they them. And afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, 
because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What a difference Easter makes. Last Sunday we preached about a lady who was so grieving and grief-stricken that she could hardly bear up under the load she was carrying. The Bible said she was a widow, and she was from a little city called Nain. And the Bible said her only son had just died. She'd lost everything. But the Bible said that Jesus met them, and Jesus walked over to the bier and touched the bier and said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And the Bible said, and he sat up, and he sat up, and he began to speak. And verse 15 of Luke 7 says, and Jesus delivered him back to his mother. That's called restoration. That's called Jesus fixing a problem. That's called Jesus giving back something that was taken away from you. Has anybody in this house ever experienced God doing something like that for you? That when you thought something was lost forever and it could never be experienced or had again, and suddenly you realize that God brought that back and God uh, breathed life into something you thought was dead, buried, and gone forevermore. That's what the resurrection means. It means that God can give life to dead things and God can cause dead things to live again. God can take a life that has no hope and instill hope. God can take a life and a person who has little or no faith and give them great faith. God can take circumstances and situations in which you seem like you have little and God can make it much when He gets into the arrangements and when He has that encounter I talked to you about before. Now, this lady whose name is Mary Magdalene, she's called Magdalene because she was from a little city in northern Israel that's called Magdala. Magdala. And strangely enough, it's right on the edge of, of the valley that we call Armageddon. In fact, uh, not very far at all. And when you see the little city where she lived, there's a spring of water that's behind great massive walls. And it was one of the most protected places in all of Israel. And uh, they had prepared for battle because... They had built defense mechanisms and there was certainly a big spring of water so that they could never be without water. They had great provision and there was a stairway. I've walked down that stairway. Don, you've walked down that stairway. Faye, you've been down that stairway where you could escape from the city, where you could get away. If the enemies came and overwhelmed the walls and all of that, then you could still get away because they've made a a way where, where you could go down the stairs and could escape. Could I tell you that Jesus has made a way? That Jesus has made a way. He is the way maker. He is the one who when things seem at their lowest, He can bring about a miracle and change everything. That He can take us when life becomes so dreary. That He can take that life and He can put the sunshine we used to sing a song, when Jesus took my heart all to pieces and he put a little sunshine in. That's old, I know it, I'm dating myself, but boy, that's really true. 
that Jesus can take our heart all to pieces and he can put sunshine in. And that's to celebrate today. That's what we really need to uh, focus upon is the ability of the Lord Jesus to do exceptional things in our life. But there was this lady who lived in that city who had a big problem. Her name was Mary. And Mary, the Bible said, out of whom Jesus cast seven devils. Well, the King James called it devils. The New American Standard called it spirits. Evil spirits, Jesus talks about. Foul spirits, the apostles talk about. All kinds of descriptive terms, but the name spirit is very prominent in the description of, of where evil is going on. That evilness is a spirit. Now let me tell you right off the bat today that righteous people, saved people, cannot be possessed with the devil. The devil cannot cross the bloodline of Jesus to possess anything that has been given to God. If your life has been given to God and God owns you, you're not your own, you're bought with a price, then the devil cannot trespass on God's territory. If you belong to God, that's private property. And there's a no trespassing sign that God has put up on the edge of that property that says, stay away. So the devil cannot cross that line. But there is something we need to know. He can't possess us, but there's another word that describes what he does. He can oppress us. Now the Bible says in Acts 10 and 38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. Now it's possible to fight a, a battle, to have certain tendencies. Our personalities are all different. And let me tell you something. Something that may be a, a big temptation and a big deal in my life may have nothing to do with you. You may could swing through that, walk through that, go through that, and it wouldn't phase you one bit in the world. But me... That would be a problem. There are other things that bother you that don't bother me. There are things that are hard for you that may not be hard for me. There are things that are hard for me that may not be hard for you. And because we're all different and we all have different personalities, likes and dislikes. Amen. And I sure am glad it's like that. Amen. Some of you like butter beans. And brother, I don't like Butterby. But if we all like the same thing, I'd have to eat Butterbeans. And besides that, if we all like the same thing, y'all would all be over there trying to marry Debbie. We're different. We're made different. We have different likes and different dislikes, different passions, different desires, different things about us that make us us. But this lady had seven spirits in her that were evil spirits. Now, when she met Jesus, she was lost. Now, I need to tell you that most theologians and most expositors and commentaries treat her very badly. 
In fact, in Jewish folklore, Magdalene means uh, breaking the seventh commandment. Now you're going to have to put your thinking cap on, aren't you? Because you need a little more info, Pastor. What is seventh commandment? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Wow. That's what in Jewish folklore her name means. She's the poster child for adultery and fornication and lewdness. Represents all of that. So everybody cast Mary Magdalene in a pretty bad light. But listen, there's not one shred of evidence that she ever was promiscuous, that she ever was unfaithful, that she ever was a fornicator. There's not a, not a one, nowhere in God's Word can you find even a sentence that remotely infers that she had that kind of character. But I guess people just assume if you've got seven devils, you're bound to have that one. If you've got seven battlefronts that you're battling on, seven strongholds that need tearing down, if you've got seven areas in your battlefield in which you do battle, then surely that's one of them. But I don't subscribe to that, and I don't have any reason to, to look down my nose at her one bit in the world. The Bible just simply says, out of whom the Lord cast seven spirits. One thing I do know is that until she met Jesus, she was a miserable person. I know that until she met Jesus, she wrestled with all kind of emotional trauma and emotional disorder in her life. She had a lot of things in her life that, that went on that affected her in a very passionate way. Now, there, there are people that when they're hurting, they let you know. There are other people that when they hurt, they don't talk much. There are some people that wear their feelings on their face. And when they walk in, it's almost like they want you to say, well, what's wrong with you? Uh, and need that, that kind of uh, attention. Debbie was asking me this week, she said, do you know so-and-so? And I said, yeah, I know her. She said, well, I don't know her. I said, well, if you don't know her, then it's because you ain't been looking. You just hadn't been looking. Because, brother, I mean, she shares everything. And I mean everything. If she's hurting, she wants everybody to know she's hurting. If she's mad at somebody, she wants everybody to know she's mad at somebody. I mean, just very open with everything about her. There are other folks that if you didn't know something about them, you would never know it because they wasn't going to tell you. And every time you ask, how you doing? Great. Doing great. But there's one thing about when we have this encounter with Jesus. He sees through the outward appearance and looks upon the heart. He sees through this charade, what we would like for everybody else to believe about us. And he sees through that and sees the real us. I don't know, if you were to ask Mary Magdalene, how are things in your life? She may have just looked and said, fine. You, you may have asked her employer, sir, what kind of an employee is Mary? Oh, she's the best. 
always on time. Buddy, she's got her act together. Well, great. Some people you think are doing really well have some things in their life that they're really battling, some things that they're, they're really struggling with, some things they're... <laughs> I ask a lot of people, have you got the victory? Some of you have got kind of accustomed to me doing that. I, that's part of my handshake. Got the victory? And I get some strange responses. Some people say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He's defeated in Jesus' name, Brother Jerry. Oh, yeah, amen. I ask some others, hey, you got the victory? And they'll say, well, I hope so. Others, I'll say, hey, have you got the victory? They'll say, over some things. <laughs> Not all, but some things. Wow. When we express our own feelings, we're very reluctant to really let people know how we really feel. Some things we're really private about. But the Bible says that Mary was a person that came in contact with Jesus and her life changed. From that time on, she only had one objective, one goal, and that was to be in the presence of Jesus. Most of the times when the crowd was identified, you would find her in the crowd. Because from that day, she became a faithful disciple and a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus. I don't know how long that she had to deal with those situations to get them out of her. I like to think that when the Lord said, come out, all of a sudden they were just gone. Kind of believe that may have been the way it was, but I know with others, sometimes it's not that way. He may say, be healed, and a process has started at that time, and you start getting better. It's not one of those Lazarus moments Lazarus, come forth! And he just jumps up and comes out of that too. Others, it's a matter of working it out. He provides the strength for you to get through it. He provides the wisdom for you to deal with it. He provides the energy that is needed to be faithful during that time. But you've got to do it, but he gives you the strength to do it. Amen. The timing is up to the Lord. And I want to tell you, that's one of the most misunderstood things is in God's time. And our, our duty is somehow find the rhythm of God's dealings with us and get in sync with Him. Amen. Now what I call in sync might not always be what I like and what I want. Sometimes that may be God's will contrary to what I want. I usually want things fast. Have a tough time going through a fast food place when they take half the day to get it. Antoine, I don't smile much when I take the food. I want to say, hey, what's wrong with you people? Want what I want and I want it now. I like fast response, don't you? 
But in this world we're living in, especially now, there's not much fast response to anything. Wait three months on something you order out of a catalog and wonder, I bet they've lost it. Call them up and ask them, where is my package? Ordered it three months ago. Well, you know, the mail's slow. We want what we want when we want it, don't we? We've got a custom to own demand. Is that how we say it? And sometimes we want God to act on demand. But I got to tell you, he's got his own time and he's got his own rhythm to do things. And it's not ours. His ways are not our ways, the Bible said. His ways are so far above our ways, they're past finding out. I can never comprehend why God does things the way he does. But it's not my job to understand him. Because I can never understand him. It's my job to live by faith and feel no alarm. It's my faith, to, my purpose to rest in what God has given to me and to trust and obey. And if I can do those things, I can find his rhythm. You remember the Sunday morning that I got these guys up here and we had a jump rope. You remember that? And none of us were athletic enough to jump rope except Brandon. So we had to get Brandon out here to do the jump rope thing because Don and I would hurt something we need. And Brother Ford, he couldn't hardly do that jumping rope thing either. If I couldn't do it, I know he wouldn't be able to. So we, we slung the rope. Me and Don swung the rope. And Brandon had to figure out when was his opportunity to get into the, where the rope was going under and get in the rhythm then to jump every time. The purpose of the whole thing was you got to get in rhythm. You got to get in sync with God. You got to take advantage of opportunities. You see, the opportunity of a lifetime is only available during the lifetime of the opportunity. And when we have opportunity to do something for God, we need to take advantage of that and get in sync with God because He wants to do something like He did for Mary Magdala. He does something that is life-changing. Her battle, no doubt, was an emotional battle because physically she seemed to be fit. Brother, if she could run to the disciples, if she could walk for days following Jesus, she was in pretty good shape. So her challenge wasn't physical. Her challenge wasn't physical. It's we lead to believe, we're led to believe by the way she responded with the gardener and responded with all that, the angels and all, that she was a real highly emotional person. Very highly When she was up, she was very up. And when she was down, she was very down. In clinical psychology, we call that Highly redactive. Highly redactive. That means the pendulum swings wide. Yes, no. Sun, moon. Right, wrong. It just, the poles are way over here and they just swing from one to the other. There's no middle. And the goal of therapists is to get you from swinging so wide to swinging just a little in the middle. Does that make any sense to anybody? What Jesus does 
is help you not swing so wide. Don't let the ups be so high and the downs be so low that you get knocked off your equilibrium. He wants to keep you where you function properly and you're not over-responding to everything. That's the best I can come up with what was wrong with Mary Magdalene. She just responded to everything in hysteria or either extreme sorrow. There are many people that deal with that kind of thing. When they're lonely, they're very lonely. When they're despondent, they're very despondent. And if perhaps you can get a happy occasion in there, they're, they're very happy. These spirits that she dealt with was no doubt emotional. But when she came to Jesus and Jesus met her, she got to a, a, a place in God that she was realizes, I have a purpose. I'm a purpose-driven person. And Jesus has changed me. He's done so much for me. Her message was, Jesus is arisen. He's arisen. He is risen from the dead. Now, the Bible tells us that the women went to the tomb. Now, these women, when the men left, there was Salome, there was Joanna, and there was Mary, the mother of Jesus, and there was Mary Magdalene. Why were these women coming to the tomb of Jesus on Sunday morning? Well, they watched when Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus probably took the body of Jesus down from the cross and took it to a, a tomb that belonged to Joseph. And the Bible said a great stone was rolled there to block it. And the main problem that these ladies had as they went was, who's going to move the stone? How in the world are we going to get into where Jesus is laid? Because we've got to anoint Him. We didn't have time to do it at the crucifixion. And Joseph and Nicodemus got his body down before we could get to them. We've got to get to the Lord Jesus and anoint His body and put the, the sweet-smelling spices on His body. And that was their purpose for going very early in the morning. They couldn't do it on Saturday because that's Shabbat. And they couldn't do it before the cross episode and wasn't able to do it after the cross episode. So that first occasion they had was Sunday morning. First day of the week. Very early in the morning. And when they got to the tomb, they found that the stone was rolled away. The stone was rolled away. And there were two guys. Two guys. They didn't know who they were. They could have been grave robbers for all they knew. But suddenly one of them said, you seek Jesus? They said, yes, we're looking for Jesus. They said, he's not here. He's not here. He is arisen. 
and he's not here. Hallelujah. Boy, when that, that kind of news just got a hold of those ladies, and the Bible said they took off running. Took off running. Must have been Pentecostal, mustn't they? Those Jewish women must have had a little Pentecost in them. They ran, the Bible said. They were running. Where were they running to? Running to the other disciples. To tell the other disciples, he's not there. He has arisen. And they said, ha, humbug. They didn't believe him. Didn't believe him. And Mary made her way back to the tomb. And she went to the tomb and she observed all that had happened. The stone was rolled back. And there was this strange figure that was there. She was so grief-stricken. She was so downhearted. She was so lost. The man who had brought her such a change in her life the man who had brought her deliverance from her torment. The man that had brought her peace for her restless soul. The man that had showed her the way when she had no direction. The man that lifted her up when she was cast so far down was now gone. And the very first appearance of Jesus to anybody was to Mary. She found the gardener. She thought it was just the gardener. And she said, oh, sir. Said, I've come to anoint my Lord. She didn't say the Lord. She didn't say a Lord. She said, I have come to check this thing out about him being risen and to anoint if I can put him. I'd like to know where you laid him. Why, where did you take him? What did you do with him? She took by that, that this guy's the gardener and he has come into the tomb and he's taken the Lord Jesus somewhere. And she said, please tell me where you have laid him because if I can find out where you've laid him, I will go get him. Now listen, ma'am, the disciples didn't believe you. They stayed behind the protection for fear. The other women that were with you believed you, but they're not here. How are you going to get him? She figured, whatever I've got to do, drag him, pull him, push him, Roll him. However I have to get him, i got to get him back in the tomb so that I can anoint him. How many folks do you think over the 2,000 years now, two millennia, are still trying to put Jesus back in the tomb? How many do you reckon are trying to hunt for him Find just one sliver or one sinew or one fiber of his body that they could prove that was 
Jesus. If they could do that, they could knock the whole foundation out from under Christianity. If they could prove just one hair, one follicle, just one bit of DNA, they could just kill the whole doctrine of Christianity. But I'm here to tell you that Lord Jesus is not here. There's not a shin bone. There's not a hip bone. There's not a piece of skin. There's not a hair follicle. There's not a fingernail. There is nothing of Him here. He is, hallelujah, alive right now in the presence of the Heavenly Father. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God right now as we speak. And try as men may to put him back in the tomb. They will never be able to put him back in that tomb. For he is once and for all risen and established for every one of us the fact that he is the resurrection and the life. And if we believe on him, we don't perish, but we have everlasting life through the power of the resurrected Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't need that thing after all, do I? When she realized that she was in the presence of one she didn't know, one she didn't recognize, and she said to him, Sir, tell me where he is, and I'll go get him. And at that time, the one she was seeking for was standing in her presence. And he said one word. One word. Do you know what that one word was? It was Mary. Hallelujah. Do you remember that night he called your name? Do you remember that night you realized you were in the presence of the Son of God? And he called your name. He knew you. He knew where you lived. He knew how you had lived. knew all about you. And he called your name to let you know it's you that I've come here to see. Aren't you glad you heard him call your name? I'm glad he called my name. I'm glad he said my name. Praise God. He said Mary. And suddenly she realized this is the Lord Jesus. Come on, Olivia. And then he said something to her. He found her when she was lost, healed her of all of her emotional damage, redirected her life to become a servant. And then lastly, the third thing he did was he gave her something to do. Something to do. What did he have to say to a woman that had overcome all of that? A woman that has dealt with her past and won the victory over her past, the guilt, the shame, the remorse, all that was attached to her past. And suddenly now, she's standing in the presence of the Lord Jesus and He has saved her. He's done all the recovery things that need to be done. And now He says to her this word, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. 
Oh, I know that scripture, Pastor. That's uh, Matthew uh, uh, 28, 19. That's to the disciples. You got it wrong. It wasn't to Mary. It was to the disciples. No, read it again there, friends. He was speaking to Mary. And Mary played a big role in preaching the gospel to the nations. She played a big role in going to the upper room and receiving the promise of the Father. She played a big role in the New Testament church. She played a big role in reaching people for God because she'd had that encounter with Jesus that changed her so that when he gave her something to do, go preach. Go tell everybody what you told the disciples. He is arisen indeed. He is the Savior because look at me. Look at what I used to be and look me at who I am now and what I have become. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me, please. When Jesus found me, I was oh so lost. This little lady, if you could take one word and describe her before Jesus, lost would be a good word. All of us before we met Jesus were lost. The Bible said lost having no hope and without God in this world. Can you hear the awful drama that's attached to that lost having no hope without God in this world sister Sue that's a terrible plight for anybody lost is there anything good that you feel when I say that word lost boy that's not a feel good word is it I'll just tell you right now that's a feel bad word but if you were to come in here and tell me my keys are lost, I wouldn't clap my hands and say glory over that. Because that's not good news. Lost things don't inspire. But I'm so glad He found me. In love, He found me put His loving arms around me. Glory to God. I've been to Calvary. Have you, any of you ever been to Calvary? I've been to Calvary. I can say I've seen the Lord. I've been to Calvary through the witness of His Word. Each day at Calvary, what a thrill of love divine just to know that the Savior is mine. Hallelujah. Lost having no hope without God. But now like that son that was restored back to his father. He said, kill the fatted calf and let's celebrate. For this my son was lost. But now he's found. Lost in the pig pen. Lost in degradation and sin. Lost in rebellion. Lost in disobedience. He was lost, but now he's found. Anybody found in this house today? Have you been found? 
Has the Lord found you? Hallelujah. What a testimony. What a testimony. If you're here and you haven't been found yet, if you're here and you're lost, there's some people that will pray with you this morning. There really are. There's some people that care about helping lost people find the Lord. If you're here and you don't know Him, if you'd walk down that nearest aisle, I'd love to introduce you to a man that can change your life. I said a man who can change your life. A man who can change your life. Praise the Lord. Lord, we thank you today for the opportunity of being in your house. Thank you for your word that is a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. Thank you, O oh God, for the Holy Spirit's presence in this room right now. And I ask you to touch everyone in this room, everybody in this room, that we would leave here with a keen awareness that the presence of God makes all the difference in our life. Go with us to our homes and our families. We'll rejoin one another at this house. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and God go with you.